Should you tell the truth in relationship? Actually, the better question is, how should you tell the truth in relationship? Because it's different depending on the type of relationship you're in. I was catching up with a friend of mine who I, I used to coach back in the day. We were both in different life stages back then. And now he was in a relationship where he was, he's been thinking about committing and settling down. He's in this relationship and he wasn't sure if he should with this person or not, with this woman. And he decided to share that with her. Like, hey, I'm not sure if I, this is the relationship I want to commit to. And he was sharing this with me. And I was like, palmed to forehead, like, no, no, that's not what you share with a woman that you're trying to, thinking about committing to. No wonder she's feeling anxious and uptight and maybe not acting so nice to you unconsciously. And he threw back at me something that was very reasonable, which was, but isn't telling the truth the most important thing? Isn't telling the truth one of the most important things as a man to do? Isn't that something that you say all the time? And he was right. That is something I say. In fact, I've even said, I had to think about it more. I was like, I've even said on my podcast that telling the truth in real time is one of the best things you could do for connection. It's just it's for any kind of relationship, right? The more truth you could tell the closer to real time, it's essentially the more respect you're giving that person, the more you're inviting them to really know the real you and therefore have a deeper connection, intimacy, no matter what kind of relationship it is. However, that's particularly true, or that is true. I still believe that's to be true in symmetrical relationships, whereas the type of relationship he was talking about, the one that's not just romantic and intimate, but committed and I'll define what that is in a moment, truly committed, the rules are a little different. Because when I'm saying committed relationship, I'm talking about one where the polarity, the masculine-feminine polarity, is not just this abstract thing for show. Like you're not LARPing. Like you're actually, you're becoming interdependent in a way where you rely on each other's masculinity or femininity. Like you're specializing in this way to become one unit. You're relying on the other, on your other half, so to speak, to, to handle those things. You know, you know, spiritually or colloquially, we could call them masculine and feminine, but they're essentially testosterone-driven characteristics and oxytocin-driven characteristics. You know, uh, the functions of dealing with external life situations, things on the outside, versus things on the inside, the, the, the internal part of any tribe. You know, nourishment, feeling good, all the oxytocin stuff, right? What we call the feminine. And this friend of mine, just like me, spent a lot of time in in like what we would call conscious relating communities, be they Tantra, you know, obviously I was in uh, One Taste for a while and you know, basically any self-help communication place where expression and connection and things like this are really taught and exemplified, this is something they also drive home, right? Even in like free love, polyamorous things, or even in, in something way more normal, like I just think of my time you know, as, as more of a normie dating in New York City, in like that kind of single person's world where it's, it, it's implied that you're not really committing to each other and you're all maybe dating multiple people for a time period that's common in, in your early 20s, let's say, in big cities. It's also great to share your truth in real time because in those situations, even if there's talk of masculinity and femininity or belief or expression, like it, it is kind of LARPing in a sense that it is kind of more of a show. Like, okay, I'm going to be the man and act masculine and do these kinds of things. And, uh, you know, you're going to be the woman and, and have these shows. But in practice, you're not really interdependent. 
which is why, in a sense, it's still symmetrical relating, right? Maybe you're on a date and you and you polarize for that time, and there's beauty in that, and obviously that's where lust and attraction comes from. But then you go back to your separate units, your separate apartments, and you live your own lives where you're each your own masculine and feminine. You know, she goes and deals with her own accounting and, and life admin. Like she doesn't rely on someone. She's not living with someone, and the man is doing the same thing. It's different, right? Symmetrical relating, even in even in a dating sense, is still is still that, right? Whereas true commitment is asymmetrical to the point of true interdependence, and the rules are different, and specifically for the man in the situation, because in that situation, you are really asking, you know, asking subconsciously or implying that you want the woman to surrender into her feminine, is what we would typically call it, but basically rely on you for your ability to deal with the outside world, right? I mean, that this all comes from our biological roots where to get, you know, to be pregnant is the absolute most vulnerable, physically vulnerable thing a human being, a woman can do. So she needs to make sure that she can trust a man who can actually provide a perimeter for her, right? She can't, she can't go hunting while pregnant, right? She needs to rely on a man who deals with that stuff. And, you know, this is, you know, what we would call the perimeter, a man's role in a polarized relationship is to form the perimeter, the, the limit between the unit, be it a family, a relationship, which is essentially a proto-family, a tribe, which is an extended family, a nation, which is an extended, extended family, etc. A man's role is the perimeter. And we, we culturally often talk about the material side of the perimeter, right? The protecting and the providing. But especially for modern humans, this is not the biggest thing. Obviously, you want to make ends meet and you don't want, you know, your your wife or girlfriend to get kidnapped, right? But that's not typically that's not a, a day-to-day concern for most of us, right? If your bills are paid, if you're eating, you've basically provided a material perimeter. You know, maybe it's not the most luxurious, but actually what comes into play more, specifically when it comes to a woman subconsciously thinking about real commitments, what matters more often is the spiritual aspect of the perimeter. And what I mean by spiritual perimeter, I'm not talking about religion or even the hippie version of spiritual. I'm speaking about all the parts of our metaphoric perimeter that are abstract, right? And not the concrete stuff, not the, not the physical things, but the moral values, the beliefs, the perceptions, and the internal reality, the social reality if you will, of the relationship or the family or the group. And this is a critical role of masculinity. In that masculinity is to provide the perimeter. The spiritual perimeter is incredibly important, which means, at least in the context of, say, the story that I, I opened with, you don't dump uncertainty on your partner, right? It is, it is nice in a symmetrical relating sense to be like, all right, here's everything that's going on for me. I'm, being, I'm putting it all on the table. And that's a very kind thing to do in a casual relating sense. But when you're in a committed situation, a truly interdependent relationship, or you're trying to move towards a, rela- a relationship like that, or you're in some way asking your woman to enter into true interdependence, which means in some way she depends on you, you don't dump uncertainty on her. You go out and refine the truth and then bring her the certain truth. So in, in the context of, of uh, what I shared about my friend, it's like I, I, I told him, like, you need to figure out on your own and your own time whether or not you want to be with her. 
And then you tell her the certain truth, right? You, you take it out of the realm of possibilities and like, here is actual reality. I do want to be with you. I'm committed. No one has to think about it or talk about it again. Or the opposite is also fine. If like, I thought about it. This is not the relationship I want to be in. It hurts. I'm sorry, but we need to break up. And that's also a kinder thing than dumping uncertainty because if you're dumping uncertainty on the woman, you're forcing her to pay attention to the spiritual perimeter. You're forcing her to think about what is going on in the relationship. And, you know, obviously that is a, a thought stream that's going to cause some level of neuroticism in a woman. And this is not obviously a criticism of women. It's just like, it's totally understandable. If like a woman is on sub subconscious level or maybe conscious wondering if she should really enter the deep, deep uh, state of vulnerability that is getting pregnant, you know, even if you're not planning on getting pregnant, this is where our evolutionary instincts come from. You're not doing her any, any favors. You're actually dumping a burden on her as opposed to prepackaging reality for her where you're actually relieving her of that burden. So I think this, this transition from symmetrical relating to truly taking responsibility over the spiritual perimeter is a transitional stage for men, right? I was, I was actually chatting with a, a friend of mine who's about my age, mid-30s, and we were, we were talking about how half of our friends our age are still single, doing the bachelor thing, and that's normal as a 30-something. But then half of our friends are settling down and having kids, and that's also normal. We're kind of in this middle phase. Actually, you could argue that, you know, from 25 on, 25 until you're old, right? You're in, the, in modern culture. Men are in this liminal phase where they can kind of choose to continue symmetrical relating, which is fine, or they can start to take responsibility. And I do think, you know, not to say that anyone needs to live in a certain way or want a certain kind of relationship. I do think it is, it is the next stage in maturity. Like if you, if you call my podcast episode on the five stages of the male psyche, you know, this is the transition from warrior to king where the warrior is out to win, which is an important phase of life. And then the king is partly using his previous winnings for his dependence. He's choosing to have a realm. And in, in, as far as the spiritual perimeter goes, for most men, you know, beyond the house that you, you own, let's say, or the land that you live on, which is, you know, arguably not, not the same thing as a, as, a, as a true physical realm, what really matters, what really matters as the head of a household or the, you know, the, the default alpha male of the tribe, your family, your relationship, your team, whatever, is taking responsibility for this spiritual perimeter. But the spiritual perimeter is not just about telling her how things are. It's a whole set of things. And actually, this goes into a deeper thing about human consciousness in that the reason why we have spirituality, and actually the reason why I call it the spiritual perimeter as opposed to using another word like the moral perimeter or the, you know, the belief aspect of your relationship or something wordy like that. I mean, one, spiritual is a pretty concise word, but also the whole reason why we have metaphysical values is that as thinking humans, as thinking creatures, as uh, creatures that can time bind, in, in the words of Alfred Korzybski, spoke about this concept in the general semantics episodes on the podcast. The reason why we do this is that as humans, we have the ability to plan for the future. We have the ability to come up with guidelines or principles or ideas or values or beliefs that may, might not affect our lives immediately, but in following this thought stream of the infinite things you can think about or believe or perceive, of being able to perceive things that are not immediately there because they're either in the future or they're a belief about the world that you can't observe with your five senses, these kinds of beliefs 
ideally will lead to a better future in our material lives as far as survival and replication, right? We, we pick values, we follow religions, we, we, pick, uh, we decide on principles, we, we, we make checklists of how we're going to live our lives or our own, your, your own moral compass, for instance, with the hope that it's going to lead to a better future. And in a polarized relationship, a truly interdependent asymmetrical relationship, a committed relationship, for the woman to really be in her feminine and really be in at ease, which means going inward in some ways and being going more into her feelings evolutionarily to have babies, you know, it's still true whether or not you decide to have children because all of our romantic proclivities come from our reproductive instincts. For a woman to do that, she really needs to trust that you have this handled. So there is more to the spiritual perimeter than just saying what the truth is. Beliefs, principles, uh, vision is also important. And we're also going to talk about now, actually the first thing you have to do is unify your reality. So one of the sticking points that we see in relationships when they are in that archetypal transition from the hormone-driven honeymoon phase into the potential for real commitment, it's kind of one of the major thresholds in relationships. One of the issues that often comes up is the recognition that you have different values, that you have different cultures, different perceived norms about how things should be. And in some cases, it can be very cute. Like, oh, I think things should go this way, and she thinks this should go this way, and you laugh about it. But sometimes this clash of values can be a very big deal, and it's very hard to have harmony in the relationship if you don't have a unified reality. And if you're the man in the relationship, if you're the perimeter setter, it is your job I would say if there is a difference, and it's natural for there to be some differences, that you are the one who does the work to unify the reality because you are the one who is setting the spiritual perimeter for both of you if you're in a healthy polarized relationship, if you have healthy asymmetry where you're actually interdependent. Now, this is something I got lucky with personally because I didn't really think about this too much when I was screening for my real life partner, my now wife. And I thought about many other different things. I did kind of, I did recognize we had similar values, but there's a lot of different issues when it comes to living together and having a child and just simply having a committed relationship that I didn't really think of. And I, I realized I should have probably screened for, although I did get quite lucky in that when it comes to what basically the important things were on the same page, which has saved us a lot of trouble that I see in many relationships, because especially in the pandemic era, I've seen this a lot where unfortunately, you know, two people who like each other, love each other, get together for the right reasons, but maybe slightly have different values. Maybe one's more liberal, one's more conservative, or one's more this, one's more that. They found out during the pandemic, and usually it didn't matter, right? These were things that were not in the forefront of their relationship. In the pandemic era, I mean, and I could maybe blame culture and media for making things that maybe didn't have to be so important, seem very important and trigger survival fears. I would see a lot of relationships have a lot of trouble because these slightly different values became polarized and now they're in different realities and it's very hard to have a harmonious relationship if you're in different realities. So if you're not in a relationship, I'm probably going to do another episode on things that are important to screen for in a life partner, things that I, I mostly got lucky with, I should, I should uh, have uh, thought about prior. But if you're already in a relationship and you've recognized this cultural split, like this difference in reality, it's different in values, if you're the man, it is on you to unify the reality. It is on you to create the unified spiritual perimeter in which all of 
you and your dependents, your woman, maybe your children, maybe somehow other people, I don't know. It's your job, right? As the pack alpha, as the default alpha male of your group, which in a relationship, if you're a man, you should be, it's on you. And you can't blame someone from ha for having different cultural values, right? You're assuming you got together as adults. She's had an entire life before you, friends, family, maybe different, different influences. That's just how it is, right? Everyone is different. And there's not even to say that one culture is the best. What does matter though, is if you are going to merge together, if you become interdependent, become a survival unit in an evolutionary sense, it is so critical to be on the same page, right? Otherwise you're not going to have harmony. And the thing that I would check for, or the thing that I pay attention to, or would, what I suggest to any man in, in a relationship where there's some disharmony on, on the reality level is the screen, does she respect you? And this is, you know, polarity 101 stuff that, that matters of course, always, but if she really respects you, if she really trusts you, if she really trusts your competence, then these differences in values, even if it causes a conflict, I wouldn't worry about it so much because if she respects you and really trusts you, even if, even if she thinks your ideas or gee, I can't believe you're believing in such thing, it is natural based on her evolutionary instincts, based on her feminine wiring, her baby making instincts, if you will, to defer to you if she respects you, right? And this is this is not because women are less competent or anything. It comes down to ba the basic principles of why polarity even exists, which is simply if a woman is pregnant, she can't also deal with the outside world, right? Those two things, you know, you, those are two totally different sets of neurotransmitters, totally different modes of behavior. She can't go hunting and thinking about things while she's eight months pregnant. Like those two things can't go together which is why it's important, and this is obviously a very anti-feminist idea, but it is true evolutionarily why women screen for a man they can depend on if she's gonna have his baby, right? So respect is the most important thing, and if, you're, if you've recognized that your partner doesn't respect you, that is priority number one, right? Do not go into like any of these like red pill or NLP or, you know, cult stuff like you know even though i think this is all interesting and there's there's something to tactics for unifying a reality if she doesn't respect you it doesn't matter because the most important thing as far as you know quote convincing a woman into something is ethos right in in oratory and as far as the greeks uh believed there's three modes of influence right there's pathos emotional appeal uh, logos which is logical appeal rational appeal and ethos in a relationship, ethos trumps everything. In fact, you trying to logically convince your partner that you should do things this way or it's better this way, none of that matters. Even if you're the most airtight, uh, perfect logician, like the best debater in the world, it, we all know like, you never win those debates, even if you're right. Right doesn't matter. However, if she really respects you, then she'll probably go along with your logic. Because again, this is not to say that women don't have the same abilities as far as logic goes, it co simply comes down to is most women don't want to, right? And her, again, her reproductive instincts would drive all of her attraction, drive for intimacy, love, connection in relationship. They don't want to have to deal with that stuff because it's, it's like almost a totally different world. You can think of it as a separate archetype in her psyche. It's, a, it's like, you know, we, we know uh, biologically testosterone and oxytocin, which are the drivers of masculine and feminine behavior, in many cases, they're diametrically opposed in how they affect your behavior. 
inject testosterone in someone, they're going to be obviously more cold, more competitive, more, more focused on time. Oxytocin is the opposite, more uh, cooperative, more agreeable, more focused on the now, more present. So if you've recognized that your woman doesn't respect you, don't get butthurt, right? That's the worst thing. In fact, that is in itself failing her test because the reason why women have to test, this has been covered a lot, is that if she's going to enter that vulnerable state where she defers external reality to you, where she is relies on you for the protecting and providing, but also the spiritual perimeter, the beliefs, which hopefully lead to better protection and providing, better survival for your offspring, she needs to know that you actually have the perimeter handle. Like if she's going to enter your walls, she needs to know that she'll actually be safe in it, meaning the walls are actually secure and you're not going to turn on her. Those two things, right? Which is why women have two kinds of tests. This is this is terminology from the PUA slash red pill world, but it's the best terminology we have. There's the shit test, which many men get earlier on in the more dating attraction phase, like pre, pre-sex. This is what happens often. She needs to give you shit to see if you're mad enough to deal with it, because if you're not, the sex isn't going to be good and she really shouldn't have your baby, right? If you, if you get butt hurt over some, some sort of shit test, some sort of throwback at you, some sort of maybe like dominance game that many women actually do unconsciously, specifically when they're screening to see if they want to sleep with a guy or not. If you get butt hurt over that, then chances are you're not actually a strong man and you're not going to give her strong offspring and you're probably going to run when when you guys are under threat, right? Based on our evolutionary instincts. So obviously that's why the women give shit tests. And, you know, it's very easy to get butt hurt over like, why doesn't she already respect me? Like, why doesn't she see, I mean, does why doesn't she recognize that I'm a good guy and I'm competent and all these things? It's like, because how should she know that, right? And, and I say all this because, as a guy who's been butthurt and therefore failed various shit tests in my life, I think just having this perspective, recognizing the big ask you are making of a woman in asking her to surrender at any stage of the relationship, being entering the vulnerable state of having you inside of her or the more vulnerable state of having your baby inside of her or the as vulnerable state of being inside of your perimeter, be it material or spiritual or, or both. It's a huge ask. So she better test because it's not like she can enter your perimeter and leave easily, right? Like once she enters your perimeter, which, you know, on an emotional level means falling in love with you, becoming very attached to you, we all know anecdotally, it's very hard specifically for a woman to detach, right? If a woman, and this happens all the time, woman doesn't screen well, or maybe her traumas or poor imprinting from her upbringing causes her to pick a guy who she shouldn't fall in love with, but it's too late now. Like she slept with him. He, he charmed her. She's in love with him. Turns out he's a loser. And it's like, shit, like she, you know, we all know women who've been in relationships that they shouldn't have been in because they basically didn't screen as well as they maybe could have. And they ended up in a perimeter that they can't get out of easily. You know, whether it's a loser or a guy who is uh, abandons her or something, right? She needs to screen to make sure that you are first able to create a perimeter for her and also willing, right? Will, are you able to <clears throat> protect, provide and give vision to the family, the spiritual perimeter, or are you gonna fold? And then also if you're strong, are you willing, right? The second kind of test, which you get later on in the, in the courtship ritual, if you will, typically after sex, before commitment is the comfort test or during commitment, which is her checking, okay, you know, <clears throat> she's 
been attracted to you. She's entered your perimeter. Presumably, she believes she believes in your competence. She believes that you're able. Probably, she might give you the comfort test to check if you actually are, are willing to share your ability. If you're going to use her your strength to provide for her, and this is something, and I'll fully admit, I have failed this kind of test even in recent months because my wife has had emotional moments where she's she's basically tested to see if I was committed to the relationship. And I've actually gotten insulted. You know, I got butt hurt in a sense. I failed the test in that I was like, because my, my logical mind is like, how could you not think I'm committed, right? Like we have a child together. I provide for all of us. We, we've moved countries together. Like, like how could you possibly even insinuate that I might've even said that in the fight. Like, how could you say that? Like that I'm not committed, but there's a good reason for it, right? Every test is an opportunity to pass, right? Like, like a woman is just like, you know, belts in traditional and traditional martial arts or or any kind of exam it's like it's an opportunity to advance to the next level and in terms of relationship and unified reality and intimacy every test a woman gives you from the beginning to the end she's doing it to see if she should you know in a sense let you in more or in another sense enter your reality more so back to the shit test she t- shit tests you if you pass it's not like you stay the same right? It's not, if you fail, maybe she disqualifies you. If you pass, then she's like, okay, maybe I'll sleep with him or you're at least closer to that kind of intimacy. And with a comfort test is the same thing, right? If you fail a comfort test, even in the middle of a relationship, and I'll say this, you know, from the male brain, it doesn't really make sense because for most men, if you're committed, you're committed. If you're not, if you're, you're not. But from the female experience, there are layers, right? It, there's almost endless levels in both directions. It's a continuum, if you will, or many, many locks, and, or many gates, if you will. If you fail the test, even if you're nominally committed, your partner might guard herself a little more. She might put her walls up. She might start to build her own perimeter, which might feel like basically not trusting you or not being willing to let you uh, hold the reins metaphorically, I mean, metaphorically in terms of leading your family or even in in what to believe as a group. But if you pass the test, she will surrender more. She will trust you more. She will defer and like just trust that you have reality handled. You are able and willing to lead the family. And therefore, she can really enter feminine. Whereas, of course, we speak about in all the episodes on helping women enter feminine. That's where all the good stuff and the fun stuff happens in relationship. The passion, the love, the trust, the intimacy, all the beautiful things that come in romance, especially in extended romance, occur when she's in your perimeter, when she's really willing to trust you, which means respecting you, which most easily comes from passing the test that she will inevitably give you. In fact, this is the reframe that I want everyone to remember, all the men, is that anytime you're getting a test from the early on shit test to the later on comfort test or anywhere in between, while it can be insulting at times from our perspective, like, why is she testing me? Like, why doesn't she trust me already? One, she should, she should be testing because she's putting herself in a very vulnerable state, being in the feminine with you, whether that means having your baby or, or just, or not. And two, Every test is an opportunity to go deeper, right? If you pass the test, she will respect you more. In fact, women obviously mostly do this unconsciously or semi-consciously. Many women is totally unconscious. Like they don't know why they're doing it. Their reproductive instincts are telling them they have to test the man before they surrender. And on on the flip side, the positive effects, like when you pass a test, she can't help but trust you a little more. 
I mean, this is something that, you know, it's kind of a revelation to me in dating. It's like, if, I mean, more in the, in the shit test department, like she gives me shit. I don't, I don't get butthurt. Maybe I throw it back at her or I, or I double down on whatever, like, let's say I made a joke that was a little bit off color or anti-feminist and, and, and she, you know, throws something at me, like a challenge, essentially a shit test, a disguised shit test. And I pass it. I display to her that I'm secure and, and I'm also not mean, like it was actually meant in good humor. The woman usually can't help then softening. Like she can't help becoming a little attracted, maybe a lot attracted because the, this programming is so deeply wired in, into us, especially women, that we can't help it. In the same way that there are certain things that just attract you as a man and you can't help it sometimes. The same thing occurs, which should be uh, an uplifting idea, especially if you're in a relationship where it seems like things have been going in the wrong direction Know that, yeah, okay, if you've been together for years and you've been playing a beta role, if you've been letting her be in the mask and role, and yeah, it's going to take some time to undo that. But in the same way that she probably unconsciously put her walls up, entered her masculine, stopped trusting you, if you do the right things consistently, she can't help but change, right? There's no way that, I mean, if either she's going to change or she's going to be so doubled down on maybe her ideas that she doesn't like you, that she's going to have to leave. One of those two things are going to happen. But either way, and I say this to all guys who are maybe trying to rework the polarity or the dynamic in their relationship. If you take responsibility for your side of things, you are almost certainly going to have the reciprocal in your relationship. It might not be with the woman that you're with this right this moment. Like maybe things are too far gone or she's traumatized or she has certain ideas in her in her head. But if you do the right things, if you really embody your healthy masculinity, it can't you, you can't help but have the opposite, the reciprocal meet you. Right? If you become really secure, you can't help but have another secure person enter your field. Whereas, you know, if the other person is committed to being insecure, they'll probably leave because they'll be uncomfortable. It's kind of one of the, the rules of, uh, of archetypal relating, if you will. So finally, as far as unifying your reality, it's all about ethos. It's all about respect. More than convincing her to be one way or another, the traits that will make you a happy and powerful and secure and just like fulfilled man are the same exact things that will allow her to respect you and allow you to unify the reality, right? A lot of it, I mean, and this is one of the things that is so great. I mean, it should be a relief if you're already working on yourself and you also want to work on your relationship. It's also one of the beautiful things about why I'm particularly um, interested in in relating with women. It's not necessarily about the women, at least for me, it's not anymore. I mean, I'm married. It's about how in improving my relationship dynamic, it kind of forces me. It's almost like the external it's the external version of what's going on inside of me. Like if my woman is kind of frazzled and upset and putting her walls up, chances are it's not 100%, but maybe 80% of that is because I've been not in my masculine. Whereas the the converse uh, is also true. So the basic things that are important, like, and this all goes back to the spiritual perimeter, right? Decisiveness, confidence, ambition, these basic traits that are just good for your life are also the things women screen for specifically because they contribute to the perimeter, right? Going back to what I, what I mentioned uh, 
in, in should you tell the truth uh, in relationship or how should you tell the truth in relationship? It's like, don't bring uncertainty to her. Like you decide what reality is. And then you're like, here, here's the reality that I'm presenting. She might reject it, but chances are, if she trusts you and respects you and in some way wants to have your child or is attracted to you, she'll be like, okay, right? And, and you see this a lot. And I know I'm, I'm maybe oversimplifying it, especially again in the pandemic era where people have really taken extra, extra seriously these beliefs or values or perceptions that maybe don't need to be so serious, especially not in a relationship. In fact, I'll say, you know, I do know relationships where the two people believe in totally opposite things when it comes to pick one of the issues of the day, vaccines or masks or any of that bullshit. But their relationship reality is so much more important than those issues that even if they believe those things and maybe maybe like you know, jab at each other at times, what really matters is their shared reality. Like those things, those things trump. And, and another example from my relationship is like, I tease my wife all the time for taking uh, astrology seriously. I think it's kind of crazy. She thinks, you know, she thinks the opposite. But that, those set of perceptions, while they're not in my spiritual perimeter, it doesn't really matter. Like, like our shared reality matters so much more. And really all it comes down to is respect, right? If she, if the woman respects the man, then the realities will merge because ultimately what her body wants, what her reproductive instincts wants is to be with a man who, whom she trusts to lead the family, the group, the tribe, the nation in the right direction based on his values, his principles, which means decisiveness. It means you have some direction and ultimately confidence, right? Women want a man who is sure of what he's doing more than whether or not he's actually right, right? A woman will forgive you if you're wrong. A woman is less forgiving if you're constantly uncertain and unsure and changing your mind all the time. This is another reason why follow through is so important, right? If you're saying all the, you have these grand visions, but you're not following through, it doesn't actually matter if the vision was good, right? What matters is you're actually going to lead to better results for the survival and replication of your children. So say you've taken responsibility for the frame of the relationship, the spiritual perimeter, if you will. You also have done everything you can to be a man worthy of respect, worthy of being followed, so that you can unify the reality, unify the internal culture. How do you actually lead in the relationship? How do you actually lead the reality? And remember, as I spoke about in, in uh, Should You Tell the Truth in a Relationship, if you're going to take that true masculine role in an interdependent relationship where you're actually in practice asking of her in some way to truly enter the vulnerable state of being in her feminine, you have to, pre, in a sense, prepackage reality. You need to decide on what the, the reality is for you, for the group, right? The shared perceptions, the norms, how you're going to collectively perceive things because a group is only unified as far as their collective perceptions go. And even before spiritual perimeter, the reason why we have spirituality, the reason why we have moral principles, the reason why we believe or perceive abstract things that are not immediate, again, is because if we, as conscious time-binding beings, if we pick the right principles, the right ideas, if we perceive the right things, if we plan into the future the right way, if we have the right vision, ambition, ideas, ideally, the reason why these adjectives exist, why these traits exist, is that if we plan well enough, we will lead ourselves to a better future. So when it comes to the relationship, let's say, the family, the tribe, the spiritual perimeter 
it only matters as far as it can lead to a better future, which means more directly part of the spiritual perimeter is vision. You know, one of the ways I think uh, many relationships kind of grow stale or stagnant beyond the loss of polarity, let's say, or actually I should say part of the loss of polarity is a lack of vision, right? When you've just gotten together and you're hitting it off and you have all those feel-good hormones and, and lust chemicals, the honeymoon period, well, that, that is the challenge, right? That is the, that is the new thing that's exciting, which is why uh, people often jump, you know, spend a lot of time jumping from relationship to relationship or, uh, you know, hook up to hook up because that high is so in itself, it's appealing. At some point though, most people want to chase a different kind of high and like the, that next threshold of commitment is exciting. And maybe as a young couple or a young family, you have different challenges to, to solve. And actually, this is something Jung said as to why many relationships, you know, he didn't use the term seven year itch, but he did say like around five to 10 years, relationships sometimes lose their, their, um, their interest. And he was saying how typically introverts and extroverts get together because they, they have the skill set that, the, you know, the other one is missing. And, and when they're young and like building a family or, or get, like just trying to get by in the world to try to carve out their realm together, they really lean on each other. And, and he actually used the imagery of like an introvert and extrovert gets together back to back and they're outward facing the world because they have to deal with it. But once they've secured their lives, their lifestyle, their realm, they've bought the house, they've had the kids, but whatever, and they don't have any external problems anymore, this introvert and extrovert will turn and face each other and they don't have a lot in common and then they get bored with each other because they don't have a unified reality. And he spoke about how when you have that kind of transition, it's important to understand the other person's side. And I would say to, to bring it back into our framework, same thing, right? A masculine person, a feminine person, typical man and woman get together because they have the traits that the other one doesn't, right? You know, all these reproductive instincts, again, come back down to pregnancy for her to really go into the inward state that making life in her body requires. She needs someone else who can handle all the outside stuff ideally better than she can or is more interested in it at least, right? So, you know, you deal with that. And at some point, when you do turn inwards, that's where a lot of the conflict occurs. And at times, it's almost kind of like a having this type of uh, conflict where you don't have problems to solve. You don't have externally driven problems to solve. So you create new ones. So you don't have an external adventure. You don't have an external thing that you have to deal with, right? So you have to, you have to, there's a tendency to create some. Whereas a very simple way to hack this, a very simple way to continually contribute to the spiritual perimeter so you don't have to create issues internally is essentially to expand the perimeter. This is why, you know, as far as like fatherhood principles, the, my, the lessons that I draw on the most are actually from like, uh, you know, historical conquerors because a nation is essentially a giant family. It's, a, it's an extrapolation, an extension of a family. The emperor is the king is essentially the father of all fathers. And as long as the nation keeps expanding, and I'm not, I'm not making an argument for imperialism necessarily, but there is something so inherently masculine about being a conqueror, right? This constant expansion of borders essentially occupies the family, occupies the tribe, occupies the nation. And as far as bringing this back, bringing this metaphor back down to reality, as the perimeter setter, as a spiritual perimeter setter, having a vision for the future, a continuous vision of like, it doesn't have to be like we're going to conquer the world, although there's a reason why those uh, 
that that sentence is kind of like a, a romantic cliche, like we're going to conquer the world together, you know, or going back to like a common mythology or that you could even go like the, the Disney princess uh, trope, the whole thing with the whole new world, the magic carpet ride, right? That is so inherently romantic to women because it hits on this evolutionary thing of like, oh, the guy who's going to take me to a whole new world is going to whisk me off on the magic carpet or the horse or the elephant or the ship or whatever. He's taking me places which is why the spiritual perimeter exists, which is why the red pill community in a very cynical way talks about hypergamy. It's like, it's totally natural for a woman to want to get with a guy who's going to take her places, who's going to lead to their children being higher status and better off than she was, than her family was, right? It's the natural drive of life to to move towards increase, to move towards betterment, right? Who doesn't want that, right? It's all, all of our evolutionary instincts are that, especially for women. And again, Going back to a truly committed, interdependent relationship, basically based on having children, whether you decide to or not, it's based on that. So the key thing as far as leading the frame, controlling the frame, right? If you've already unified the reality by being a man worthy of respect, which is really about your life, the next thing is what is the next thing, right? Which is ambition, which is having a vision for the relationship. Because if you're not providing a vision, eventually the reality will fall apart. Because going back to the more philosophical side of these things, the spiritual perimeter you know, is essentially the filter of how you're taking in the rest of the world, right? Especially now we can see in the news, there are unlimited ways to filter reality. There's unlimited ways to interpret reality. And you know, the, and, and now more than ever, the realities are almost like mutually exclusive, like the Fox News reality and the CNN reality and the reality of people who don't consume media. They used to overlap a lot, but now more than ever, they really don't touch. And they're kind of like religions, right? You know, there's the CNN God and then there's the, the Fox News gods and the alternative gods. And they're all, the reason why we have these belief systems is the same reason why people have had religion ever since they could perceive things beyond what's immediately in front of them is that we're wired to try to choose value sets, value systems that we hope that if we rely on them, if we lean on them, they will lead to a better future. So that one, we can save on decision-making energy, right? If you have certain principles, like I always wake up at seven or I, I always, you know, I always let the kids eat first or I always pray five times a day or whatever the thing is. If you have these kinds of rules for yourself that you've pre-decided are the right guidelines, like the protocol to follow, and you actually trust that are going to lead to a better future, you don't have to think about it so much, right? That's the first thing. It saves you on brain power. The second thing is, hopefully, if you screen them properly or if you've been indoctrinated into a belief system that is actually good for you, it'll lead you to a better place. Actually, I was just hearing uh, Joe Rogan was speaking with Bilal Muhammad, who's Muslim, was speaking about Islam and how a lot of top-level MMA fighters these days are Muslim. And, and Joe Rogan, who's obviously not Muslim, was talking about how, well, if you have these strict rules, right? Because like, Islam is one of the, maybe the, the last religion that really, the, pretty much anyone who calls themselves a Muslim is following the rules, at least more to a greater degree than, say, your typical Christian, right? By having these rules, rule sets, right? Ramadan, praying five times a day, whatever, you don't have to think about certain things, right? And if you believe in the rule set, if you think that the value system is good, then you don't have, you really don't have to, you can save all that brain power of deciding what to do in your future. The anxiety of the decision-making anxiety that is so common for young people in our more rationalistic, atheistic society, 
You save all that trouble, and then ideally you follow a path that leads to something good, right? I'm not religious, but I can see the value more and more. And I spoke about this in the Atonement with the Father episode. Like, I really see the value in these patriarchal monotheistic religions that I was raised Catholic. I rejected it at a young age. But there is something about having this thing that's greater than me, this perception and this higher power, the, the father of fathers that I can lean on and trust that he'll give me the guidance, right? And bringing us back into the relationship stuff, it's the same thing in relationship, right? This hierarchy is not about one being better than the other or certainly not saying that men are better or anything. But given that women do the absolute most important internal thing for a a survival group, a relationship, a tribe, which is creating life in their bodies, and it requires so much resource and and a totally different kind of mindset, different neurotransmitters, different hormones than the, the one that's good at competing with external forces, testosterone. It is on the man to provide that to the woman. And this goes down to prepackaging reality and being decisive on what, what the truth is. It's about being respectable enough that she can, based on your behavior, trust that you're worth trusting, right? Because she's, she's almost, you know, when a woman really enters her feminine, she's almost betting like she's almost like hopping on a ship that she won't be able to control later. Like she has to make sure that the ship is a good one, the ship being you, right? It's going to go in the right direction. It's not going to break down. I'm not going to have to get up and steer because I want to be inside the ship, right? You know, she needs to trust that, which is why women shit test, which is also why you need to display all these traits that we've been talking about, decisiveness, ambition, confidence, all the things that make you, all the things that embody the masculine archetype. So the spiritual perimeter, you know, I know when I say prepackaging reality, it can sound kind of culty, and it is, right? I mean, this is another way to put it is that this is what cults do in an extreme level, right? They prepackage reality that benefits you. I hope that if you are listening to this and you want to have a healthy relationship, you're doing this not to make power moves or it's not about withholding or deceiving to, to control, right? Like I sometimes use the red pill terminology of controlling frame. But I think, again, as with most things red pill, it's true, but an unnecessarily aggressive tone where, okay, yes, it is controlling frame, but it's more like leading a reality. You're leading the reality because that is what is actually most beneficial to her, which at times means, you know, being the strong one or, you know, a lot of times passing the shit test means, you know, not buying into what she says or maybe even being disagreeable. And I'll do another episode on the, on the virtue of disagreeability because for Jordan Peterson talk about disagreeability a lot. And I really want to break down why this is important because it does seem like an antisocial trait. In some ways it is, but disagreeability is important because very simply, someone who's too agreeable is entering other people's perimeters. And she wants to know if, if a woman is going to enter your perimeter, she wants to know that you're actually setting the perimeter, right? She doesn't want to hop on a ship and find out it's actually parked inside of another ship, right? Anyways, not to get too philosophical, Leading frame in the relationship comes down to essentially vision, unifying the reality by being someone worthy of respect and building a spiritual perimeter for for the entire family. And the last idea here is that when you're entering this kind of relationship I'm talking about, the truly committed, interdependent relationship, you're seeing, you're not seeing yourself as just yourself and like, oh, here I have a wife and I have a child, I have a girlfriend, I have whatever, right? You are now, I mean, this is truly what I think embodies the king archetype is that you are now seeing yourself as the entire realm. 
all of your dependents, all the people that lean on you for support, all the people that you protect and provide, that you provide the guidance that is the spiritual perimeter, you're seeing yourselves all as one, right? You're seeing yourself as one unit as you're moving through the world. And you just happen to be, let's say, the brain of the organism or the one that's looking out into the world. And if you're doing this, if you're taking on this true perspective, it kind of throws out all the things that a lot of people talk about as like being the dominant one or like, you know, it becomes you're being the healthy dominant male in the way that is mutually beneficial. Anyways, I talk about dominance in other episodes, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to drive this, but I think it's just an important perspective of seeing yourself as the entire unit and as together as a tribe, you move through reality, which is why this spiritual perimeter even though you know we're talking about leading in the relationship, obviously for the benefits of having a healthy relationship, it's really about leading your family through reality in a way that's gonna benefit all of you, which is you.